Welcome to Season 2 of IVF Tales. I'm your host, Simone. This podcast was created with the intention of making the world of infertility a little less lonely. Each episode will have a new guest share their IVF journey, sharing some of the most courageous, surprising, intimate and saddest moments of their lives. It's real and raw, it's IVF Tales. Hello, Alana. Thanks so much for being on the show. Hi, Simone. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. (laughs) I am so intrigued to hear all about your IVF journey that inspired the book, The Magic Baby Lab. Yes, I'm very excited. What a story. (laughs) (laughs) So would you like me to just get straight into it? Yes, start right from the start, I think. All right. Um, So... We started our trying to conceive journey in 2016. Um, We'd never, before that, we weren't really avoiding trying to get pregnant. Like we never were trying to use any contraceptives or anything like that. Um, But from 2016, that's when we sort of started trying to deliberately fall pregnant. Um, In 2016, I was involved in like bikini bodybuilding competitions um so (laughs) yes that was different I was a PT back then as well um so gym and diet and that kind of thing was my life for quite a while so when I started this trying to conceive journey the first thing for me was that I hadn't had a period for two years so I had um what they call a men amenorrhea I think is how you pronounce it mm-hmm. um I'd lost prior to that I'd lost like 20 kilos as well so it was a big shock to my body um and I think that they say basically you lose your period because your body says well hang on we're in survival mode now um so yeah my period was the first thing to go Um, and, but even prior to that, my cycles were always a bit strange when I was on the pill and stuff, I'd get random breakthrough bleeding. Like it just was never quite right. Um, so when we started trying to conceive the first thing for me, um, was following the advice of the obstetrician and my naturopath. And that was that I needed to gain some weight to start with, to try and get my period back on track. Usually people Um, hear the opposite. (laughs) Yes, most people are being told to lose weight. But my obstetrician said, and this was her actual words, um, you can have an extra brownie or two. I was like, what? Like this is my obstetrician consult that I I waited so long for as well in the public system that was. Um, And, yeah, I finally got there and she said, oh, well, sounds like your period's trying to come back, just have another brownie or two. So I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) interesting (laughs) advice. Um, But, yeah, so I did that. I did gain the weight. It it did, like, feel uncomfortable to me going from being stage lean, which is very small, Mm -hmm. um, to gaining enough weight. And then obviously um, later on when getting into the IVF, which, you know, down the track, um, obviously that – makes you fluctuate with your weight as well. So my body's definitely been on a bit of a journey. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, during our um, trying to conceive cycle, I did sort of all the usual things. Um, I tracked my ovulation. Um, I did my temperature daily. I went out and bought the special fertility lubricant from the chemist. Um, I was having my supplements and I think Simone, I listened in your podcast, you mentioned that you had your little supplement box. So I had oh, one yeah. of those too. Um, <laughs> I was taking my prenatal. Um, yeah. Mitch, my husband, he was on all sorts of supplements as well. And he was drinking these awful juices that I was making him and all other sorts of concoctions that my naturopath said would be good for his sperm. Um, So he would, yeah, poor Mitch was, got to eat a variety of things then. (laughs) We also saw GPs sort of during this time. Um, 
I'm just really proactive person. So before there was even a problem, I just, I wanted to go to the GP. We got, um, bloods, we got ultrasounds. Um, then Mitch got his semen analysis. Mm -hmm. Um, and that first semen analysis, it came back quite, that his sperm count was quite low. Um, for some reason that didn't actually shock us at all. We, I don't know why, but Mitch has just always thought that it was going to be difficult for him to have kids. Um, and when our friends had sort of asked him why he thought that, he said something, don't quote me exactly, but something along the lines of like, when you want something, it's always hard to get it, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, he, I don't know, we kind of just always felt like there would be a problem. And maybe that is because we were a bit blase before we were deliberately tried. So we just sort of thought it would be a bit of a journey. Um, but yes, his semen came back low. Um, but the GP just, or well, one, didn't really explain it to us, just made out like it wasn't a big deal. Um, said it only takes one and kind of wanted to brush me off on that. So I was happy um, for you to still keep trying naturally. Yeah, like it wasn't that low that something needed think, to be done. Yes. Didn't make out like it was a big deal, mm-hmm. which it did end up being a big deal. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but it was just the way that she played it. So when we did finally get the help that we needed, we found out that that was not the case, that it was really quite bad like it was Mm. a bit of a waste of time for us trying that little bit longer yeah wow um so yeah when it got to that 12 month point I um sought out a new GP um because I just wasn't happy with like the answers or assistance I guess that we were getting so far Mm -hmm. um so I went I sought out a new GP I like came to her my first appointment I had like my little folder it had our Mitch's sperm results all of our blood tests like everything I've been doing with the nat- the naturopath I literally had my ovulation um tracked on like one of those little charts I don't know if you've ever seen them but it was like a chart that I printed out with my temperature yeah and I'd yeah. like mark my temperature and stuff to pinpoint when ovulation was so I brought all of that to my GP and yeah. she just thinks I am an idiot I think but she oh, just you, thinks you meant business. So funny <laughs> that I came along with this folder like what are you doing um, <laughs> but I was very serious about it and I really wanted just to get things I'm sure you know what it's like like when you're in the thick of it like I just wanted to get things going mm-hmm. so I came prepared like I didn't yeah. want to have to go through all these tests again I just wanted it done mm-hmm. um so she sent me for some more tests again, even though I had a bunch. Um, The first test she sent me for was the one to just check if I was ovulating. Um, So that test, I think they usually send you at like, I'm not sure if they test you before you're due to ovulate or uh, seven days after or something. I think it's like day 21 or something they're meant to test you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I always ovulated really randomly like I I had cycles that were like over 40 days long so I would sometimes ovulate really late um so what my new GP did was rather than sending me at the standard day which previously the results came back that I wasn't ovulating um she just told me to go seven days after I thought that I had ovulated Mm -hmm. um so I did that and it came back that I was ovulating. It's just that I was for some reason ovulating really late in the cycle. I still am not really sure why that was. Um, but yes, so that was good news. I, I was ovulating and it was basically like, it didn't matter that it was late as long as it was happening. Yeah. Um, so then it was Mitch's turn to see her. She told me he would need to come back and she would need to check his testicles. So Mitch was very excited for that, as you can imagine. So as in like, like physically I, test? Yes, like, actually oh, wow. look at them. Yes. Okay. Um, so he had to come in for that. That was their first meeting. 
Um, and she had to check his um, testicles. And then after we were sitting there like sort of chatting and she got out this little key ring and it mm. had a whole bunch of different um, like little like balls on it, like different ball sizes. And oh. she had to like record what size um, his testicles were compared to the key ring. And she was laughing and she said that usually she waits until like the patient leaves and then like gets it out and like go, you know, thinks about what it's, what size they might be in comparison. But she was like, oh, you guys are pretty cool. Like, I think, I didn't think you'd mind. So, but we thought it was really funny. So yeah, um, <laughs> we've, we really liked her and we liked that she was open about it and everything. So Yes, even despite that being their first meeting, she's been, she was really fantastic. And I would say for those that are going through their journey at the moment, like if you can find a really good GP, do it. Like don't just settle for a GP that like my old one was telling me that I wasn't ovulating or um, rushing off the fact that Mitch's sperm was really low. Like if you're not getting the answers you want, then try and find them somewhere else. That's what I think anyway. Yeah, no, I totally um, agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we what happened next? We Oh yes. So from that check as well, um, Mitch, it was found that Mitch had a, and I'm probably gonna say this wrong, mm-hmm. varicocele vein um on his testicles. So that um I'm probably not going to explain it a hundred percent correctly. Um, but basically like it can heat the sperm basically, and it can make them bad. So because he had that, we had to meet with a urologist as well. So that was kind of our first step in our fertility journey was meeting with this urologist. Mm-hmm. Um, and the option there was that we could, operate on that so Mitch could have an operation um but that would obviously put us out of time like trying to conceive and the urologist couldn't actually guarantee that that would improve anything like it might it might not so to us we just thought it really wasn't worth it um considering it wasn't a guarantee anyway so um we decided not to do that. Instead, we went ahead and got a referral to um, a fertility specialist. Um, and he basically said that our option moving forward um, was IVF, um, which I think by that point, we kind of knew that that was going to happen at this mm-hmm. appointment. Yep. Um, and it would be an ICSI cycle, obviously, because Mitch's sperm was not great. Um, but I think it was at this appointment that we kind of understood how bad his sperm really was. So it wasn't that the count was particularly that bad. Like it was low, um, but of the low amount, I think his morphology um, and the motility was really bad as well. So it was already low, but then of that, the percentage that actually was any good was not great. So yeah, just because it, so I think the first doctor sort of brushing it off saying, oh, like it is low, but it's not that bad. Well, yes, but she wasn't looking at the breakdown of that properly. Like the morphology and the motility just wasn't, wasn't there. So um, yeah, so that's when it was decided that we'd go ahead with the ICSI cycle. Um, at that appointment as well, he also did like a ultrasound on me. Um, and he said that my, it didn't matter that my cycles were long. That was fine because I was still ovulating. Mm -hmm. Um, but also that I had polycystic ovaries, not polycystic ovarian syndrome, just polycystic ovaries, which basically meant that I just had a lot of eggs, Mm -hmm. Um, which he was like, that's great. Like, that's what we want for this. Like, that's what we want to work with. Um, He did also mention that we could keep trying naturally, um, but he 
had no idea how long it would take for us to fall pregnant or if it would happen. Um, and you know, 12 months, we didn't want to wait any longer. Like we were happy to give this a go. Like we didn't want to wait a few years and find out that we couldn't fall pregnant naturally anyway. Like we were happy to go ahead. Um, we we're also, I would have been 24 at the time. So I was pretty young. Um, and I just remember like when I was sitting down with the nurses for the statistics, they would often bring that up. They would be like, yep, like you guys, you're not even on this chart. Like (laughs) you've got great odds kind of thing. Like, you know, like I think it started at like 25 or something. They're like, you're not even on here. Like your success rate would be much higher than these ones kind of thing. Yeah. And did you believe them? (sighs) I think we were. I think we felt really confident. Yeah, that's so, good. Yeah, I don't know if it was good in the end. Like it was, mm. it kind of made it harder later when things didn't go, go to plan. Mm, okay. So it um, sort of gave you a bit of, looking back, probably gave you a bit of false hope. False hope. But definitely. at the time it was probably. It was probably reassuring. What you wanted to hear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like it probably wouldn't have been good if we went in and they said like, oh, you've got no chairs. But. Mm. Um, it was probably, I think they hyped us up a lot. Like they really hyped us up probably too much. Um, and yeah. So yeah, at this point, um, we were about to start IVF. I don't know. I honestly do not know what I thought IVF was before I was doing it. Like I went in there and, you know, they said, oh yeah, like we're going to go ahead and do IVF. I am terrified of needles. I just... (laughs) I don't know why I didn't realize that that's what IVF was. Like, I'm not really sure what I thought it was, but I did not realize that I would be needing to inject myself in the stomach every night. (laughs) So a bit of a surprise there. Yeah. Did you do (laughs) your own needles or did you need a bit of help? (laughs) Um, My husband needed to do the needles for me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So first needle, first night, I was petrified. Like, I'm pretty sure I was crying before it even got, like I thought about it all day. I was so upset all day, like just nervous. I don't even know why I'm so afraid of needles to be quite honest, but I was mm. petrified. Um, like I was 24 and I was still like, if I had to get a blood test, I would cry still. So <laughs> I was really, <laughs> I was not ready for it. Um, and I remember saying to Mitch, I said, I like, I don't think, I can't do this. Like, there's just no way. I can't do it. I'm petrified. And he, he turned around and he said, well, you've got to do it. We've already paid the money. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my fair enough. Like, yeah, we're doing it. Um, so I sat on the couch and I like sat on one of my hands so that I wouldn't flinch and like knock the needle out. And Mitch sat on my other hand and he oh. administered the needle for me. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I didn't even feel it because I was just running on pure adrenaline. Like I was, I just hyped myself up so much about this. And then I literally, it was like 9, 9 PM. And I was like to him, we need to go for a run. Like right now, (laughs) I just had so much adrenaline (laughs) that I was like, I need to, we need to burn it off. So well, it's like 9 PM and we're walking around the street like trying to get this out of my system but yeah it was it was a lot (laughs) after then though I I always tell everyone IVF did cure my needle phobia so that was a benefit really in the end oh good um (laughs) bit of a way to get there but yes oh there's Um, so many involved you become a pro at the end you do don't you like don't bother me now I still don't know if I would do it myself like I don't know if I would be at that level but Mm -hmm. I Definitely don't mind now getting a needle, like just does not phase me anymore. Yeah. Um, so then the night of our trigger shot came um, and even the day, the morning of, I remember Mitch rolled over in bed and was like, babe, like we've got the trigger tonight. And we were just both so excited at this point. Um, first IVF cycle. Um, and yeah, we were just stoked to have got to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did take a video of Mitch that night doing our trigger shot. And I asked him, I said, what would you like? Is there anything you want to say to our future child? And he said a few explicit words. So I can't <laughs> fully say them all. 
but basically like they had worn to be worth it because that these needles he's holding up the needle and he says this is very expensive like you'd want to be worth it one day for us and you want to make us some money yeah um but yeah so it's I love that video I can't wait to show the kids when they're older one day I think they will really enjoy that yeah um but yes egg retrieval came um was very successful. I had 27 eggs retrieved, which I think that might have been the same amount as one of your cycles, Simone. It um, was, yeah. Yes. So um, 27 retrieved, 20 of them were mature, mm-hmm. um, which was very lucky. Um, and that was on – I was on pretty low – couldn't tell you what the amounts were, but I was on very low stims. Um, so I was very fortunate that I had that many eggs. And that's just obviously what I'm like. I'm not sure. My um, I have a twin brother as well. So I'm thinking that maybe my mum had a lot of eggs and that's where that came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, it was great for um, IVF. Um, but then after then, and I, I just, it was a, everything from then like just felt like a bit of a shock. I really did not enjoy um, the process after the egg retrieval. I was just stressful and disappointing. I don't know. Mm. I knew they said that the numbers would drop. Mm. I just really did not realise they would drop that much. <laughs> like, yeah, I thought, you don't do you. 27, like, oh, that's yep. so many. And then, yeah, the next day, um, only 10 had been fertilised. So that's still great. Like I'm not complaining at all, but wow. To lose half of your mature eggs, yeah, it's a bit of a a shock. Yeah, I've I've been there. And so were you getting the daily phone call updates? Yeah. So I was meant to be. But what I did, Mm. so we paid for – a special microscope. I don't know if you guys did that. Oh, no. Um, There was a special microscope that we could pay for. So basically my clinic offered – there was two options. There was the standard microscope where you – the embryos would just get checked every couple of days or something and they would give you an update then. Mm. Or there was this new special micro – it was new at the time. It's probably not new now – um, a new special microscope that they had. Um, it was all a lot extra to pay for this microscope, but our fertility specialist sold it to us like this will ensure that you put the best embryo back in. So what it does it is it takes a photo of the embryo like every I don't know if it was every ten minutes or something, but it was taking a photo of the embryo like all the time. Um, so that the scientist could see if anything abnormal happened to it. So if it like randomly split or like some sort of adverse um, event happened, then they would know that that embryo was probably not the best, even if it ended up an okay grading, if that makes sense. Um, So that's where our embryos were meant to be. Mm -hmm. Um, but she called me with the update and she said some. I she told me about the 10, there being 10, and I was like, oh, well, that's pretty crap. Like I was feeling a bit crappy about that. Um, but then she said, oh, I'll call you back like in a couple of days um, to give you the next update. And I said, ah, okay, I thought that we could call whenever like I thought I was getting more updates because it was in this microscope that you didn't have to disturb them or anything to get the update Mm. um so you could just kind of have them whenever um and it was at that point she was sort of like oh like they're not in the that special microscope they're just in the normal one and I was just like what what are you talking about like we paid all this extra money for it to be in this microscope oh what um, happened and, well she said she said there was high demand for it that they couldn't foresee which I was so confused what? about because I was like well you know that there's x amount of couples coming in for an IVF cycle 
and you know that you have X amount of these microscopes. So you've obviously, like they obviously oversold them or something, like sold them to more people than they had availability for. I'm really not sure. I I kind of feel like maybe they just thought we wouldn't realise or something and we would have just paid the extra money and not known. Um, But anyway, then they eventually called me back like after me being like, what the hell? And Mm -hmm. Mitch, my husband, he was so annoyed about it. Like he was very upset. Um, And because I think my question to her was, I think, I'm not, I'm not a very, I'm not very good with confrontation, but I said to her, well, how come someone else's are in there? Like how, who decided that? Who decided whose embryos got to be in there? If some are in there and ours aren't like what made someone else's take priority? Um, but she, yeah, basically said that they were probably already in there. Anyway, she ended up calling me back and somehow there happened to be space in a microscope now um so they moved them <laughs> but but at this point I was like just stop touching them because they, yeah. the reason we paid for this microscope was because they told us the less you interfere with the embryos like so the less checks they get the less they get touched moved around the better their chances they have of surviving oh, so they, but they don't even around with them moving them around and going like oh like just don't just leave them but anyway, you don't want to think of those that own. logistics like Yes. Like, yeah, wow. <laughs> like, thanks a lot. Uh, but, yes, anyway, they got there um, in the end um, and we did end up with five embryos and all of them were pretty good quality. Mm-hmm. Um, the special microscope in the end did show that one of them had like a bit of a weird, I don't know, they call it like an adverse event or something. One of them had something strange happen during the process. Um, So they said that one, they would probably leave that one like to last um, Mm -hmm. if we were going to transfer it. Um, But it's one of my ones in the freezer at the moment. So that one, I just call it, that's my little dodgy embryo, that one that I've got left. Um, But yes. Um, So I wasn't allowed to do a fresh transfer because I because of all the eggs, um, he said I was at high risk of um, OH, is it OHSS, ovarian yep. hyperstimulation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to wait then um, for my next cycle to begin. And that cycle, um, the plan was to take Clomid. Um, although I was ovulating on my own, Um, the specialist didn't, he wanted me to take it because he didn't want to wait, um, for me to ovulate, like not knowing when it was. Cause as you know, when you're going through the cycle, you have to go and get the bloods and stuff to sort of track when you're ovulating. And I think he thought it would be a bit, um, out of the question for for me to be going if my cycle was going to be 40 days long. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it would have just been a bit too hard to pinpoint when that ovulation would happen. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I took the Clomid um, and we had our transfer. I was so nervous for that transfer. I was just, yeah, I don't know. I can't even explain why I was so nervous. I was just so anxious about it. Um I, when we were leaving, the scientist actually, this is them hyping us up again. You know how I was saying mm-hmm. that the nurses and stuff were hyping me up? Yeah. When we were leaving with the scientist, the scientist that day like pulled us aside when we were leaving um, and like sort of opened the room to like where their little lab was mm-hmm. and he had embryo up on like, a screen on the computer because at my clinic it wasn't the standard to see your embryo. I know some clinics it is. Um, but oh, so you didn't get a, like a photo printed out or anything? No, oh, okay. Nothing announced. So yeah. it's very unusual. And he actually pulled us like aside into his lab and showed us on his computer the embryo. So he was, he was proud. <laughs> he wanted was to proud show you. <laughs> he was like, and he, they were like, this is a perfect embryo. Like, yeah. Good luck. Like, we're not going to see you again. Like they really hyped oh, they, it up. Yeah. Like, 
I think oh, that wow. was the worst because I felt I just felt like I had so much pressure on me like this was going to work and I just remember like lying awake <laughs> during that two-week wait like I just I don't think I slept I just felt sick the whole time I was oh. just filled with worry yeah. um like what if this doesn't work what if it doesn't work and I yeah. I mean I knew realistically nothing was going to happen if it didn't work but I just really worked myself up I also probably didn't help that because I was doing like I was on the forums I don't know if you're in any of the Facebook groups <laughs> yeah they're great but they're also terrible (laughs) like I was I just had worked myself up even more from that because some are better than others yeah (laughs) yes I was just reading like things that I should and shouldn't be doing like yeah I read that I should only eat warm foods I was like wearing socks I, I went to my friends one night for dinner and they made us dinner and for dessert I think there was like a brownie with ice cream and I was like oh no I can't have the ice cream it's cold like it's not a warming (laughs) food like it's just like looking back I'm like you are an idiot like that was not gonna make any difference but you know I was just like very intent on getting it perfect which I now say when people reach out to me and ask for advice on what they should do or what they should eat or whatever it is I'm honestly I'm like just like just relax that doesn't that's not really the right advice is it um, but try not to stress about what you should or shouldn't be doing like just try to do things you enjoy like I'm all for foods and stuff like I think it's fine if you want to add in some things like if you want to do the Macca's fries or the pineapple core or whatever if you want to add something in I think that's all good but I just not really for like trying to avoid things or missing out on things you enjoy because you worry that it might affect um, your cycle. I think you're better off just trying to do things that you like doing and focusing on that instead. Yeah, just be um, sensible. But, yes, you know, we go crazy. We do the most ridiculous things because, you Honestly, know, yeah. yes, we do. We would give anything a go, wouldn't we, at that point? Yeah. Because you're like, well, why not? Let's just try something and see if it happens. Yeah. Um, Were you one of those people that tested multiple times or did you wait till it was I time to have a blood no, Yeah. I waited. Yeah. Um, and that drove me insane also. Actually, oh, really? Because <laughs> like, I would have loved to do it, but I didn't. I I waited very patiently. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the day of bloods came and I I hadn't tested or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, went and got my bloods done early in the morning. Um, I came home and then Mitch had to go to work. While he was at work, I just remember like sitting down thinking about how I would tell him if it if they called me and it was positive, mm-hmm. um, like what I was going to do. Oh, I remember you know, that. how I would surprise him. Yeah. So bad, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so then they called me and I don't even know how to explain this feeling. I just felt like an idiot. Like, Aww. you know, you, sorry, it's negative. I just, I don't know. I just felt like how could I be so stupid to have thought that it would be positive? Do you know what I mean? Like I can't believe I felt kind of stupid for getting my hopes up, for thinking that it might be different this time. Um, so, yeah, we were just devastated. I, yeah, I don't it sucks. Even, honestly, the worst feeling I've ever felt in my life. I was yeah, just, I remember just that. drove around. Yeah, I, I think we just drove around that weekend. I just cried the whole weekend. I literally, I just, yeah. And then um, – the clinic kind of calls you and says like, Oh, let us know what you want to do. Like whether you want to move forward with another cycle. Yeah. Um, they always just want to jump straight in. And it's like, hang on a minute. Like I don't even know yet. I'm still so upset. (laughs) I'm still processing this emotionally and feel like I've lost something. Like just, just give me, just just give give me me a minute. I'm pretty sure even on the original phone call when they said it was negative, they're like, so what do you want to do next? Yes. Do you want me to activate you for another cycle? And you're like, uh, yes, just give me at least the weekend. Yes. To process it. Yeah. 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 Oh, Um, that sucks. Yes. So 
anyway, I think as well, because it's just like a big physical, financial, emotional experience. Like mm. we just both took it very hard. Yeah. Um, my husband, he's not a very emotional person. Mm-hmm. Um, so for him to show any little bit of emotion like that, you can tell like it's really hurting him. Mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was hard for both of us. Um, during that time as well, I after that failed cycle, I did go and see a psychologist. I heard you talking about that mm. um, war story. Yeah. Um, I think that was important for me. I had seen a psychologist previously when I was younger, but I hadn't seen her for many, many years. But IVF is just a completely different ball game. And, I mean, my journey was a lot easier comparatively to yours or others. Um, but, and it was, it was hard. It was so hard for me. So I just feel like to the people listening who might be going through their own journey, I think it is so important to have supports in place and to seek help and like normalize that. Like you're not, there's nothing wrong with you if you want to get a little bit of extra support or talk to someone and get some strategies in place. Like it's just, um, yeah, super necessary part of the process. Yeah, I totally um, agree. It's almost indescribable, like that emotional and mental toll. And sometimes you do just need to be like, yeah, I need to go and chat to someone and just yeah. talk this through and figure out my next step. So that's good that you did go and do that. Yes. Yes. And it was definitely helpful. Like just, just even up, like unloading that information onto someone else because I, like I didn't know anyone else that was going through IVF. It's a bit different these days because you do have things like this podcast where you mm. could um, listen and stuff. But at the time I didn't really feel like I had much supports available to me. So um, yeah, it was really important to do that. Um, but yes, anyway, I ended up, um, took me a while to build up the confidence to do another transfer. Mm-hmm. I think it was um, that failed transfer was like in October or November. So um, it sort of fell over Christmas and, and stuff um, before. So but there was a bit of a break then. We got a little bit of a break, forced break due to Christmas and everything yep. um, before we went back for another cycle. Um, we decided not to do the Clomid this time, which I was happy about. I just didn't really like the Clomid. I didn't, I wasn't confident that I had ovulated. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just didn't, I just was happy to do, um, we did the medicated cycle next. Um, yeah, that's the, what I was going to talk to you about. So the first yeah. time with the Clomid. Yeah. So it was like they wanted to make sure you ovulated and then what do a transfer like five days yes. five or six days later or something so you didn't have any progesterone yes. or anything it was just no. the clomid to make sure you ovulated and not have your cycle drawn out for 40 yes. days for example right yes, okay correct. gotcha so just the clomid that time nothing else okay um, but I yeah like I said like I don't know I just was it was just a bit sketchy like I wasn't mm-hmm. really sure if I had ovulated like they were saying the bloods had said I did um, I didn't feel like I'd ovulated. Usually mm-hmm. I'm pretty onto it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, just, I don't know, it just didn't sit right with me. Um, and then obviously the transfer didn't work. So I just wasn't, didn't really want to try that again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the next one we went in and did the progesterone, progesterone, can't even talk right now. Progesterone <laughs> and estrogen, yeah. <laughs> yes, and estrogen. Yeah. Um, and I... Uh, um, what did we do there? Yes. So we were doing the medicated cycle, mm-hmm. um, which I was, I felt better about. I, I'm not, I feel like, I don't know. I didn't need to ovulate for that cycle. Mm-hmm. It just mimics ovulation or something. Um, yeah. so I felt a lot better about that. Um, like, because obviously my ovulation is a bit random anyway. So I felt mm. a bit better than just getting the numbers right. Like that works for me. Yeah. Um, so it worked out that the clinic was closed over Christmas and new year and their first day. And then the hospital was doing like renovation or something. So they didn't 
have anyone in for a little bit after that as well. Mm -hmm. And the first day that they were able to do a transfer again um, was on the 15th of January, which is my husband's birthday. Um, My birthday was on the 12th of January, so I turned 25. Mm -hmm. Um, And then three days later, it was my husband's 28th birthday. And that was when our transfer was. So um, I don't know. I just felt like it was a good, off to a good start because it was on his birthday. Um, Just had a good feeling about it. I was a lot less nervous the second time, I think, because I kind of knew at least what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Actually, speaking of, and I don't know if this ever happened to you, but because I was on the progesterone, um, when I went for the transfer, because I didn't want to be fiddling down around there, making mm. sure everything, I didn't want to go like digging. Um, they had to <laughs> literally like clean the progesterone out of me. How embarrassing. Um, but they did that, got it all out of the way. The nurse was like, oh, there's just a bit of progesterone build up down there. I was like, oh my God. Like They probably so do that so often and just not <laughs> tell anyone because they want to, they want to be able to see your cervix. Otherwise, it's yeah, yes. it gets a bit fiddly, but yes. But I just thought it was a bit funny that she yeah. was like, oh, just out a bit of that build up, and I was like, oh god, like I'm so sorry yeah. that I'm <laughs> disgusting. I just <laughs> didn't know, didn't know what to do there. You went on Cronone, um, were you? Was it Cronone? Yes, yes. That's oh, it. that I have been on that before, <laughs> and it actually legit. There is a build up, and it is yes. disgusting. So, so bad. I felt so, so bad. Like, they're like. It raping like, it out of me before the transfer. Yeah, no, it gets – this is getting really nitty and gritty, guys, but it <laughs> actually is a build-up up in there like Ooh, between your vaginal idea. walls and your cervix. I'm a midwife, so that's why I'm I'm getting nitty-gritty. Oh. But, no, there actually is a build-up <laughs> and it's like every single colour of the rainbow. <laughs> Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, I felt so bad for them. But anyway, yeah, like, yes. I, I feel like that's important to mention here so that if it happens to someone else, they feel it's, okay about it's it. It's very, Just very normal. They... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Anyway, um, had that transfer. Um, that transfer was a 5BA embryo. I can't remember what the first one was, um, mm-hmm. but this one was a 5BA one. Yeah. I think it was hatching a little bit, um, so that was supposed to be good. Yeah. That being said, didn't get to see the embryo this time. There was uh, no proud scientist. No big show know. and tell, yep. <laughs> no, sadly. So that was like that kind of made me feel really bad then. Like I wish they didn't the first time because then I was kind of like, oh, so is this one not good uh, then? Like no one's yeah. showing me it. Like no yeah. one's making a big deal of it. Uh. Um, but anyway, yes. Um we waited then for the two weeks. I was normal this time. I ate some ice cream, you know, like <laughs> didn't tried not to be tried not to be a weirdo. Yeah. Um, and I remember I think the bloods we could do I don't know, it felt like that I could do the bloods on a Wednesday or something. Um, mm-hmm. but I was working. So instead I was doing a half day. I knew I was doing a half day at work on the Thursday. So I, um, we decided to do the bloods that morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got home from work, we'd be able to get the results together. Um, yep. cause so that we had time to, I don't know, I didn't want to be at work, like bawling my eyes out, you know? Yeah. Um, so we got that done, um, that morning. And then when I was at work, I'd had like a missed call from the clinic um, mm. and I just remember driving home. I felt so sick. I'm actually pretty sure I got a speeding fine that day coming home. <laughs> I was just not with it. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, got home. Um, Mitch got home just after me. Um, he was really worried as well, actually, because he also had a missed call from the clinic, but he had listened to the voicemail that they'd left. Oh, um, yeah. And he was like, babe, like, it's not good. Like it, it does not sound good. Like oh, she sounds. You are taking happy. me back to emotions that I'm like, I feel you guys right now. Like my palms yes. are sweaty. Because oh <laughs> I just, so I just bad, remember this exact feeling. It's the worst, isn't oh it? You just God. got like, you're, you're just sick about it. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
we called the clinic together and I just remember she said, um, congrats, you're pregnant. Oh. And I just could not believe oh, it. Wow. I, I just cried and I cried. I, I can't even remember. I don't think I even remember saying anything else to her. Like I was, <laughs> I might've been talking, but I don't, I don't think I was saying anything that made any sense. You know, yeah. I was just bawling. Oh. Um, and then because I hadn't done any of the home pregnancy tests, I mm-hmm. had them there ready to go. And yep. I, I don't know how many pregnancy tests I did after that, but about 5 million of them. <laughs> I, needed to see. I just did not believe it. I needed to see it for myself. Yeah. Um, so yes, I was, we were just absolutely over the moon. Um, then anyway, I'm sure you know this feeling also. Yeah. After that, I don't know, I was a ball of anxiety. It was worse than the two-week wait after then. I was just always waiting. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I was always waiting for something to go wrong. Yeah. Um, so I was absolutely so anxious. And then when I was six weeks pregnant, I woke up with bleeding. Mm. Um, I called my fertility specialist um, and he, well, he said, like, I can see you next week kind of thing. Um, We were very impatient and I was just so beside myself that I was like, nah, like I want to go to the hospital. Like if this is not happening, like I want to know now. Mm. Um, So we went to the hospital. We had um, bloods done there um, and we had a scan. And they were really short-staffed actually and the scan, I remember, it was just an abdominal scan, not an internal one, which is mm-hmm. not usual for that early gestation. But I think they got the bloods back and it was high enough that they could do an abdominal one. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did that. And this is the first ultrasound we've ever had of the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember the guy, he like shoves the thing on my stomach, he points at the screen and he's like, there's the baby, there's the heartbeat, like, see you later. And we were like, oh. okay, all right, cool. <laughs> um, so anyway, then we did end up um, having our first proper scan um, mm-hmm. with our fertility specialist um, on Valentine's Day. So, again, it was another, like, special day, like Mitch's birthday, Valentine's Day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but – and it was it was perfect. There was a heartbeat. Um I'm not sure what the bleeding was about, to be honest, but I um, bled. I bled in that pregnancy and in another in my later pregnancy as well. I I just bleed for some reason. I can't tell you why. Yeah, it's um, quite common in IVF pregnancies. Yeah, which, okay, um, just yeah increases the anxiety even more. Yeah, yeah, no, no it's, it's um, yeah very common. Yeah. Um, so yes. The result of that pregnancy anyway was um, my son, Arthur. Um, I love that name. Arthur, that's so cute. (laughs) Everyone, whenever we go to the doctors or anything, they're like, I was expecting like an old man. (laughs) (laughs) We like it. And whenever people ask us, they're like, why would you pick that name? I'm like, that is the only name that Mitch said he liked. Um, He just like... I don't know. He was very fussy. So he liked it. So we rolled with it and um, we call him Artie actually. So oh, it just cute. is perfect for him. Absolutely suits him to a T. Yeah. Um, but yes, when he was um, about 18 months, mm-hmm. um, we decided, well, I decided, I guess, <laughs> that I was yeah. ready for another one. I think yeah. Mitch, Mitch would have been ready for another one straight away. I was the one that was like, oh no, like, don't think I'm ready. Like, yeah. I just wanted to enjoy him being a baby a bit longer. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of when COVID first happened. Um, my husband works away, so he was stuck away for three months mm-hmm. um, because of the border closures. Um, and I had pulled Arthur out of daycare um, because I was just not sure what was happening with COVID. I didn't know. Um, didn't really want to risk him getting it because we didn't know much about it. Um, and I was still, I work in medical, so I was working probably more than usual actually. Um, and I was handling 
you know, working, not having daycare and Mitch being away very That's well. a lot. Yeah, wow. Um, I was actually doing very well. So I was Good like, for you. Oh, you know what? If, if I can do it without help, yeah. I can definitely do it too when Mitch is around more. Yeah. <laughs> that, was my, that was my reasoning to yep. go and oh, I, what I thought was I'll just go get the referral. They last for 12 months. Yeah. Um, you know, I might be able to see the specialist. I knew Mitch was coming home. He was allowed, he was like allowed a pass to come home kind of thing. They were giving out a certain amount of right tests at his work and he was allowed to come home mm-hmm. if he could test negative on return and all this. So yep. anyway, um, he was coming home. There was a window of opportunity. So I tried to book in with my fertility specialist for when he was home. But of course my fertility specialist, this was like a, in advance as well. Like I knew the dates and I was trying to book in advance, but he just didn't have anything available. Mm-hmm. Um, the next available that he could do was the day that Mitch left um but I was like look all right like I'll just take it anyway I'll go by myself um and then maybe it'll all work out that Mitch will be able to be home for the transfer at least like Mm -hmm. might be there for that um so I went there I we had like a chat I said you know I just want to do the same as we did last time like we had a we had three embryos left um and we sort of discussed which embryo was going to be put back in um and he did an ultrasound um just to check like what was happening with my ovaries and he said um well he was surprised he was like oh look looks like it was like a big follicle it's like looks like you're going to ovulate soon. He was like, if we were doing like a natural cycle, um, we'll, we'd be putting an embryo in next week. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, hang on. I was like, can we do that? Like, is that allowed? Like, should, maybe we should just do that. Like, can we do a natural cycle? And um, he was like, oh, well, you know, it's up to you. If that's what you want to do, we can do that. Um, so I just went out to the front desk and I sent, um, Mitch a text and I said hey do you mind if I just pop an embryo in next week like what are your thoughts on that and he was like like sure like do whatever you want like I don't care so um signed the paperwork yeah <laughs> um organized all that um and the transfer well I had the bloods and everything just to make sure that that ovulation had happened mm-hmm. um my transfer was a bit funny actually I think they wanted to do it on a Saturday because that's technically when it landed with my ovulation. But yeah. because of COVID, they weren't doing them on Saturdays or something. Um, I don't actually think they were supposed to be doing natural cycles because of this. They were trying to only do medicated cycles so that they could control the timing yeah. of when the schedule. They would yeah. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think he was a bit, the specialist might've been in a bit of trouble there actually. He wasn't supposed to do that, (laughs) but he did it anyway. Yeah. Um, And we did it on the Friday. He was like, look, it's not really a big deal. Like it's one day earlier. Like it's fine. It's not going to affect the odds. Yeah. Um, but of course that Friday, Arthur was meant to be at daycare, which would have been perfect, but he got sent home sick on the Wednesday. Mm. Um, I was like, oh, great. Like it's not happening. It's not going to work out. I was just really worried that I was going to get something. Mm. Um, but I didn't. I didn't get sick, which was lucky. My mum came and watched Arthur and a friend of mine took me to and from the transfer. Um, I took a Valium this time. I always say that I had like, I feel like I have really bad post-traumatic stress disorder from previous transfers. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just get so worked up. So I took yeah. the Valium, which I found really helpful actually like I still felt like I was really nervous but it was a lot less than I would have been if I hadn't taken it um so yeah we transferred um a 5bb embryo Arthur was a 5ba so slightly well not as good as Arthur's embryo apparently Mm -hmm. um but and I also remember like I asked the scientist um about I was like oh has it like thought okay 
Um, but she said that they weren't thawing them like overnight anymore. I think with Arthur, he got like thawed overnight. Um, but they said that they were having more success kind of getting them almost straight out of the freezer um, for some reason. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, anyway, then I was on my way. I My bloods were due on our seven-year anniversary. Um, <laughs> this time I did a home pregnancy test. I did it the day before the bloods were due. And the reason I did it was because I am a terrible driver. Mm. I do not want to drive into the city. So that's where my bloods were. I didn't want to have to drive there if it was going to be negative anyway. <laughs> so I was like, if it's negative, then I'll just go get the bloods down, done at my local, you know, yep. pathology place. But if it's positive, I'll make the trip in so I can actually, you know, they can have the proper results and I can know what I need to do next. Um so yes, I tested and it was positive and I don't know, my only symptom before my positive with Arthur and I didn't even know it was a symptom at the time was that my back had a, I had a little bit of lower back pain okay. and I had this exact same back pain this time. So yeah. I just I just knew it was going to be positive. Oh God, I would have been surprised if it wasn't. <laughs> but yes, I was just... I still, like, I just couldn't believe it. I always, we always joke now about how Mitch wasn't even, like, he wasn't even in the state. He wasn't even close by and I (laughs) (laughs) didn't even need him. Like, I just did it by myself. How did you Um, tell him? um, I was planning that I was going to surprise him um, for our anniversary. Um, Mm -hmm. I was going to wait till he got home because he flew in again like a few days later or something I think um but I ended up just sending him a photo of Arthur with the um positive pregnancy test and said like happy anniversary oh that's so cute Um, (laughs) so um we were both very excited um and I was just honestly couldn't believe that it happened like naturally like no drugs involved for that cycle was mm-hmm. so grateful yeah. and also just that it worked the second time straight away like I just felt like that was so good especially after trying like it was almost two years before of trying before we were pregnant with Arthur mm-hmm. whereas this time I like made the decision one day had the appointment and then the next week they were putting the tr- you know, the embryo in and then the week after I was pregnant, like it was all very fast the second time. You didn't even um, have time to think about it. It was just. Honestly, your, yeah, that was, <laughs> yes, that was good for me actually. Probably good because I didn't, wasn't riddled as riddled with anxiety, like thinking mm. about whether I should or shouldn't do this or what I should do. Yeah. Um, yeah so I was super, super fortunate. Um, I was still breastfeeding Arthur at the time. So I was even, I felt that was really lucky as well to be able to do that and still have a positive um, transfer. Um, And then even more lucky um, that we found out that we were having a girl, which I would have been stoked with a boy as well, but I think I just really convinced myself that it would be another boy. Like I, I don't know. I just felt like that would be way too good to be true if I got to experience a girl as well. Um, (laughs) Yes. I ended up with a girl. Um, and we named her Evelyn. We call her Evie. Oh, um, cute. But we, we picked Evelyn because it's another sort of old lady kind of name. We thought yeah. that matched with Arthur. Oh, that's um, beautiful. But also because um, the, it means wished for child, which we thought was really nice considering our IVF journey. Yeah. Um, so, yes, that's basically that. Um, do you want me to talk about after having Evie now and how I ended up writing a book? Or... Most definitely, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after Evie, um, I developed a bit of postnatal depression. I'm kind of glad it happened after the second child actually because mm-hmm. I think that if it had happened after Arthur, I may not have known that that's what it was. Yeah. Um, I probably would have just thought that was normal and that's how it is after you have a baby. 
Um, but I just knew that something was different. Um, so yeah. I, so you yeah. sought help yourself, like based on your own yeah. sort of self-awareness and, and how you were feeling, you went and. Yeah, I knew that it just wasn't right, didn't feel right. I didn't yep. feel, and maybe even still now, don't feel as bonded to her as I did to Arthur. Um, with Arthur, I just had this, you know, that instant connection, like mm-hmm. loved him. Um, Evie, I loved um, but just wasn't the same. I knew that was different. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just, there were a few triggers that I was like, Oh, like this isn't right. Like, so I did seek out help for that. Yeah. Um, but during that time of suffering from postnatal depression, I tried to like get back into things I enjoyed as well to try and help. Um, so I tried going back to the gym and stuff because obviously I used to do like the bikini competitions and was a PT and that sort of thing. So I thought, mm. oh, yeah, this is it. That's going to help. But I just didn't find the same joy in it that I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have always loved writing and being creative. I actually went to uni at one point um, and studied writing. Um, so, yeah, doing something that I enjoyed. So I started writing again. Um, and I ended up writing a little picture book for Arthur and Evie and it's called The Magic Baby Lab and I recently self-published that Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just a little story about how IVF babies are um, made not technically how they're made, um, but it's just a cute way to sort of introduce them to the idea that they were not made traditionally, that they were made in a lab and um, just to remind them how miraculous they are and also just to, um, yeah, just to introduce that idea and it's a good way for parent guided discussion I did write it with Arthur in mind mm-hmm. um, and what he would enjoy. So I try to make it a little bit fun for the kids as well. Um, but, yeah, just a nice little keepsake, I think, for them when they're older to look back on and um, hopefully, yeah, that'll be good for them to see how much I love them. Yeah, <laughs> um, very sweet. Because they are. They are my little magic babies and I just want them to know that. Um but yes, I did find um, that's been just an amazing experience for me writing this book. It's been, I really just needed something, even though the book is about them, I just needed something that was for me um, to focus on. And yeah, it's just been so much fun doing it. And I've sold over 400 copies now. So all wow. I really wanted to do was just see if I could do it. So um, to have, I've, you know, I wanted to sell a hundred copies. I didn't really know how long that would take. Mm-hmm. And that was just to make, make sure I covered enough of my expenses yeah. um, for the book. Um, so yeah, to have done four times that um, has been pretty cool as well. That is awesome. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I have to ask. So I think, so you can buy the book from, is it mischiefandmellow.com.au? Yeah. So I have to yes. ask, is Mischief Arthur? And Mellow yes. Evie, yep. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Um, he uh, is just, he is a lot. Arthur is very high energy, yeah. beautiful boy, just a lot of energy, does not stop. And Evie, by comparison, she is definitely my easy child. She is just <laughs> a dream. Um, yeah. compared to him. I love him though. He is the biggest character. Yeah. Um, but yes, Evie. Evie's definitely my easy child. So, yes, she's mellow and he's mischief for sure. Oh, that's so cool. It's it's such yeah. a beautiful little book. I love the illustrations. I love the crazy scientists. It's very cool. But, yeah, the, <laughs> the words, so just very simple. I think it'd be a great little gift, um, yeah, for any uh, mum-to-be that's got a little IVF baby on board um, or to buy for your own little children um, as a keepsake. It's It's very, very cute. Awesome. Thank you so much, Simone. No worries at all. Anything else you wanted to add before we say goodbye tonight? Um, I just think in closing, um, what I want to say, it's I know, I know this isn't 
I want to say like not everything happens for a reason because that's not right and that sort of discourages people that are going through a really hard time. But um, I just feel like closed doors sometimes, um, they're sometimes a blessing. At the time it feels terrible and I do wonder, like I think, oh, I wonder what that embryo would have been like, especially now having two embryos from the same batch. And I know Arthur and Evie are, are very similar in a lot of ways. And I do wonder what my other embryos might have been like mm-hmm. or what the ones in the freezer are like. Um, but I do, I I just feel like, I don't know, when I held Arthur for the first time, everything just felt like it made sense. Like all of the journey was so necessary to get me to that point, even though it was long and it was hard. It just felt like that was meant to be my journey for one reason or another. And maybe it was because I needed to write this book um, Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. But yeah, just for those that are in the thick of it right now, like I really hope that when you hold your baby for the first time, I don't know what it was like for you, Simone, but to me it was just like this, I don't know, it just felt like everything was right in the world again like it just felt like everything made sense yep oh you're making me tear up but no it's um (laughs) it's very true um yeah yeah, you look at you look back and you're like coulda shoulda woulda but yeah you have these little babies and um oh you really got me now um but no you just just I always just think it's like I always think to my little babies I'm like it, it had to be you yes like they are for you they are your one and if maybe it took such a long time to get there, but there is a reason like they are yours and they are the most like just perfect made for you, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Totally agree okay, with you yeah. there. <laughs> that's it. Sorry right, for making well, you too No, that's okay. I might just have to um, jump off now and go and yeah. get a box of tissues, but no. no <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks, Alana. Right. Thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm.